On this episode of Resi Week, we talk selling wellness and the case for cellular. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 336. That's my backup. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Crestron. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matty Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my closest friends. First, we have my sister, Heather Sidorowicz. She is the president of Southtown AV in Buffalo. How are you doing, Heather? I am good. My brother from another mother. It has been too long. It has been. Well, you've been gallivanting the country, sailing. Well, you were supposed to be at Infocom. I'm sorry that you can't leave. Thanks for that. That was fun. Sorry, not sorry, I guess, right? Yeah, sorry, not sorry. Not at all sorry. She doesn't care. Then the gentleman you heard right there is my other good friend, Haggai Finer. He is a strategic advisor to Snap One and also the president of Platform 5. How you doing, Haggai? I am well, Matt. My brother from my Canadian mother. Yes. We're just, it's it's a family show today. It's all good. It's all good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's kick this off with my favorite topic to talk about. Coming to us from CE Pro, selling wellness technology, seven ways integrators already know how. Uh, read through the article. They cover a lot of actual really good points in this. Um and they start by clarifying the, the 10 main concepts of the well-building standard uh, that contribute to occupant health and well-being. And then the editors go through and talk about light, acoustics, thermal comfort, movement, mind, air, and water, and the way in which we already sell parts and pieces of this and kind of how to spin that into the wellness conversation. Uh, if you read into that at all, you know I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek on this. Um Heather, I, I so want wellness to be a thing, but I just don't buy it. And I'll preface it with this. If you want to hear a lot of science on wellness, go listen to Andrew Huberman, who's from, I believe, Stanford. And he has some phenomenal things, mainly focused on light, but he actually talks about the science of how it works. And I'll tell you this, and no disrespect to our, our other guest who likes to play with his lighting temperature controls. Um, when I listen to Huberman, who's a scientist and not a made up one, he's a real one. And he talks about how light works. And then I compare that to how our industry attempts to talk about wellness and light. They're vastly different things. So Heather, tell me if I'm wrong on this. Is wellness... Is there an opportunity there or are we going down the vein of a plaid suit jacket and, you know, some greasy hand stains of a used car salesman when we get into a client's house and start talking about wellness and we're going to control your water to make it well. Haggai's face is fantastic if you're not Scott's watching. Fired. <laughs> I think there's a difference between saying it's an opportunity and i know we all want to believe that it is it's like rmr rmr is a huge opportunity most of us don't capitalize on it so i think there's a difference between opportunity and consciousness of it um i think that 
wellness plays a huge role in our everyday lives and we can all be better people. I'm constantly trying to make myself a better person and I write about wellness all the time. Um, but how it, it connects to the AV integrator specifically is a bit of a different story. These are usually, in my experience, um, you know, these are guys, mostly guys, some girls, um, that have started because they love, you know, hooking up these, started with usually with surround sound systems and car audio. These are not necessarily the same people that are going to go, mm, let me see what your lighting temperature is and let's talk about your world. Now, there are some out there for sure, and I think that they will capitalize, but as an overall industry, I think conceptually, yes, I think in actuality, it's a different play. I just really want them to answer their phone or email me back if I call one. I like it. Haggai, I, I, I'm, I'm, and I love to poke fun at this topic, so I, I'll, I'll preface everything with that. We, we, my wife and I built a house, um, and we, we moved in in November of last year. And we have a full-blown you know, automation system, as you'd expect. We have tunable lighting. And I think that if I think about wellness in our industry, unfortunately, I have to fall back into the, my well-being as it relates to my system, not my house. So we, we have tunable lighting, we have a water treatment system, uh, and the water tastes great. It's not electronically monitored uh, at all. Um, we also have in the HVAC system, we have special filters with, you know, ion, um, it's an ion filter and a HEPA filter, and there's like multiple layers that we added in in between the standard mm -hmm. filtration uh, system. So, and that's not monitored either. But I will tell you, I've had a fair amount of headaches with our system, down to rebooting televisions and uh, you know the integrator rebooting remotely uh, part of a rack for some reason. If it's you know we can't hear the sound from the TV. And I think if we could solve those problems as far as the well-being of our client as it relates to our system, maybe we will graduate to the temperature of the lighting and how it will make you feel. I will tell you that my experience has also led me to conclude that not all tunable lighting uh, is made the same. I've seen different solutions, different demonstrations, and lived with my own system at home. And I think that this is kind of the missing piece in the puzzle and it's always the last 5% of the job. It's the, the fine-tuning, the programming, the logic behind it, mm -hmm. uh, the fact that as a client, I end up clicking on a lot of things, which I don't want to click on. Um, the system is not smart because it doesn't think for itself, right? As no, let alone intelligent, right? If you want to graduate to that, where it's like concluding based on, you know, some conclusions based on a bunch of assumptions, that definitely doesn't exist. I wish it was just doing more on its own without me telling it. And a lot of it takes communication. For example, our uh, HVAC installer never communicated with the audio video team uh, or the automation team. And then we have sensors in different rooms for temperature. But what ends up happening is that the house is not well balanced when it comes to the HVAC Mm -hmm. distribution like the volume of air that goes to different rooms so then some rooms are freezing another room remains warm it creates you know a trouble ticket with the integrator points finger at the HVAC guy there was never hey we're one team let's figure this out for the client so 
I like the idea of wellness. I think there is something for us to do there, but that's going to be really revealed and monetized when we figure out how to not reboot, you know, NVRs and, and you know, whatever, whatever is not working, right? Uh, and we figure out how to, for these lights to go down to 3000K at, I don't know, 7 p.m. or when the sun goes by. And I know everybody's gonna say, well, that's already doable. Well, it's not how it was done in my house and it was not a cheap system. So let's create the wellness of the client with, you know, even ventilation of a system, right? So we have three little very warm racks um, and they create a lot of heat. There was never a BTU bottom line calculation of how much heat is gonna be created, how much energy the system is gonna consume, which is a ton, and then how it gets ventilated. It gets ventilated into the house, which means the HVAC system on the first floor is working a lot harder than the second floor because all this stuff is being exhausted into the same space. I just think there's more, more for us to figure out on our own, you know, in our own realm, in our own world, uh, before we can advance into this higher echelon of, uh, of sales. Let me, let me ask you this, Haggai. I hear what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying. What I wonder is, does this become a pipe dream? Because your story is not the first one I've heard of somebody who knows the industry, understands what questions to ask, understands how to, and if I, I may be reading into it a little bit, but you had a bit of a hands-on approach with this, if I, if I remember correctly. It, this should be simpler for us to achieve, but I continually hear from multiple people I know who are in the industry, who build a home and go, honestly, the system kind of sucks. What is it get, like, how are we going to get there? Because pe systems arguably keep getting simpler. Will it be like designers, Matt? Like, will it be a third party that will eventually pop up and say, we're the wellness designer and that here's was supposed what you to have be to us. Well, it was supposed to be, but if we don't do it, somebody else will come in maybe. We, we were supposed to be the gel that held technology and, and the client together, yet we seem to do a really bad job of it. Well, and, and here is why, I think. I think. So Access Networks is very focused on one thing and one thing alone, right? Mm -hmm. There is maybe a little few subsets to it. If you're doing only wireless or fully managed system or whatever it is, but it's very much a, a laser-focused business. Our industry kind of became the Amazon of all things electronics, including that I bring home that had nothing to do with, with Heather mm -hmm. as the installer. But it's digital, it's connected. Well, now it's you install it for me. And that creates the jack of all trades and maybe the master of a couple. But it, it's really, really, really hard to deliver. What the integration channel is delivering is super hard. How many manufacturers does Heather have to interact with in a normal project mm -hmm. that all need to work together? It's almost like, is it Mission Impossible? It's close. Now, could we introduce more safety guards to prevent a hot AV room, which most people have? Probably. Could, could, has, could, I, I ended up cutting half inch off, my, off of my own pantry door with my uh, scale saw because not enough air was flowing through 
and the fan that was sucking the air in could barely move that volume of air. No one ever did the math. But think about the science of trying to figure all of that out along with everything else mm -hmm. you have to figure out on a project. It's just, it's complicated. Yeah, it is. And, and one between, so how big is the average integration firm? Even, you know, the firm that sold us the job. Mm -hmm. And how many people do they have on staff to figure that out to a letter? It's really difficult for anybody. It would be difficult. Anyone that would come on the show and say, oh yeah, this stuff is easy. I, I don't believe you. I've been around for 20 years. I don't believe it. <laughs> and therefore the opportunity and therefore the challenge. I love it. All right, let's change topics for a second. Uh, this comes to us from Residential Systems, making the case for cellular. Uh, so cellular sets a new reliability standard in smart homes and can take potentially some of the burden off packed Wi-Fi networks. Uh, read through the article. It's a very interesting read and, and something that we don't typically look at uh, from our side of the fence as far as, you know, using cell as anything other than maybe a backup or creating um, uh, using like cellular boosters, right? That That's pretty much how the industry has has looked at cell. Um, but in this case, they're talking about using it to, again, take a little bit off your Wi-Fi network if needed and have some additional uh, backup support, et cetera. Haggai, it's, it's fantastic that you're here for this because I don't know anybody who knows more about Wi-Fi than you, my friend. Um, this has been a thing, not a big thing, but it's been a thing where some people would have like a MiFi right? And they'd have that if they were if they were on the road a lot so that they could connect no matter where they were or if they lived out in the country where they couldn't get a decent ISP, but they had a decent cell service. They might have a MiFi or something like that and use that as either a backup or uh, their primary ISP, quote unquote. In a traditional home, the thought of using cellular as an ISP, I I've never seen. I've never even thought of it. Um, outside of again, it does exist. No, I, I know it does. I'm just saying, Relevant. I've never looked at it as as a, a, a an option outside of those. Yeah, as a viable yeah. option. When you see this, when you look at this, where, where's the where's the use case for having a, a Wi-Fi network that's so packed that you need a cell backup? The premise for this type of system, and by the way, if you read the article and you read it through, you'd see that it's more of an advertorial. I'm aware. Rather than <laughs> an article. But I don't see a real capacity, depending on whose brand you're using, but on the Wi-Fi and local network side, you have plenty of bandwidth. If you've done it right, um, there's, there's really very few issues. At the house we're staying in now, here in Easton, uh, I've had to go and reboot the cable modem because service is out mm -hmm. yesterday. It happens. Like, it has nothing to do with me or the network that's in there, which happens to be access, and it's amazing. Um, but that's where cell can come in. You can have issues. With, as you know, the provider can give you issues. has nothing to do with your local network. Here, you're telling me why. And that's where the, the offload, it's not just offload. It's the fact that you want good signal. Mm -hmm wherever you go, and a lot of the home service don't have good signal. So if it's something that the end user is willing to pay for, then the partner should absolutely go install it. Why not? Find a, there, there are plenty of vendors, there are a lot of them that actually focus on our channel, 
why not partner with someone and make it part of your bid? Sell it. The only problem is you got if anything is not working the way it should, then it's up to you to troubleshoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I'm all for strength on all radios that I have, not just a few. So just because I have great Wi-Fi doesn't mean I don't want great cellular if I don't, you know, if I don't live in a place that does have great cellular. Just from a from an application standpoint, let me let me ask you this before we move on to Heather. Is there a play? Is there a really strong play for this in high density residential? I'm thinking something like Manhattan, where there is so much Wi-Fi in in a, in a condo complex or something like that, where you you have a strong signal and you have a strong network, but there's just so much interference. Tough. Is that is that sure? Okay. Alex. Yeah. If and then if if you install a system like this. First of all, in, in Metro, like in New York City, you usually have good cellular signal mm-hmm. where I've been. I haven't seen it unless you're going in a building in a basement. Yeah. And that's where this solution would actually function really well. Yeah. Right. Because you want to extend that system from the street into the bottom of the building. Um, and it's interesting, right? Look how much how we look for connectivity wherever we go mm-hmm. and we're not connected. That's a problem. So whatever medium you use in order to get to the internet, I'm down. You know, this is not uh, a pissing match between Wi-Fi and cellular. If cellular works in that environment, use it all day long. Yeah. Right. Because we, and we've seen even with five gigahertz, uh, especially with the latest generation that's using bigger bigger channels, you're going to need some kind of backup if you're in a dense environment and everyone's interfering with you. Uh, but Wi-Fi has also gotten better at working around those challenges. But scientifically, there is a limit to what you can do with technology to get around those problems. Yeah, that's true. So eventually, you're just going to need to use a different band. Exactly. All right, Heather. Um, the, <laughs> this one couldn't come at a better time. If, if And again, y'all, the, the majority of our audience is in the U.S., so you probably did not hear about this. Most of the people I reached out to did not. Um, on Friday, one of our two national telecoms lost their wireless network and their ISP, their internet uh, network for over 24 hours. It, it, it It's rolling into uh, most of it. They have it in America. We would just all fight. Exactly. Yeah. There, there was a lot of drafted tweets that couldn't be sent because they couldn't get online. <laughs> but I, 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 I was working on Friday and obviously I'm on the network that went down. I'm on Rogers. Uh, my home is on Rogers. My office is on Rogers. Uh, a, a wide variety of our customers are on Rogers. We had some some booked appointments, and we were supposed to go do a lot of uh, network service unrelated to this. That of course couldn't happen, and and of course we couldn't even call them to say, hey, we're going to reschedule because well, we, it, just everything was down. It brought to mind this this concept of, of backup. And we talk to customers a lot about this, to, to Haggai's point, of especially, you know, if you're working from home or if your kids are doing school from home, you need redundancy. And too often, I, I think we look at things and go, oh, we're going to put in a couple additional access points. So you have redundancy. We don't necessarily think of it as provider redundancy. What do we need to do as a channel to grasp onto that? be aware of it and communicate that properly to our customers that especially in the SMB world um, 
which you know our, our industry is pushing so strong in that resi commercial world if you're going to touch a network you, you need to be talking to them about redundancy and, and multiple providers etc how do you do that well i think i think now is a great time to, for you to talk to your clients because they just went through it so back pre-pandemic when we would talk to clients about networks that were over a thousand dollars they would yell at us or hang up on us i mean it was they were they were not they did, it was something invisible that they did not understand they didn't want to talk about it and they just didn't see the need but by golly once that pandemic started and now they had to be on a zoom call or some video conference software where their kids had to watch were watching netflix so that they could be quiet enough so they could do their video conference call now they understood it so now we were quoting better real networks and they were saying can you come tomorrow um, so once they understand the need, it's a much easier sales pitch. Um, I think that for you who are, you know, you could send a bulk email to any of your clients right now to say, hey, this is a great time to talk about this and you might get some bites if you're looking for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are the things that teach people, you know, and, and to have that conversation, it's something they could physically understand at that point. It wasn't um, invisible bits and bites and ones and zeros that we were selling them anymore. When you when you see that, because because you know there's going to be pushback. At, at what point do you just sit there and say, like, uh, do you need to put anything into your documentation? Probably, and it's not something that we've done at this point, so it's not something I'm super familiar with. It's you know we're it's like in the residential world we're mid market, so we're not doing these upper fancier systems that some of our friends are doing. Um, so I think that that's where it becomes a bit more, um, more of a conversation for your clients is, is, you know, what kind of systems are they, are they using? Um, but yeah, so I think, I think it depends, depends on your market, depends on your clients. And just like a guy was talking about earlier, it's like, you need to know, kind of know your magic powers and either partner with someone at that point, maybe an IT firm, if it's not something you're comfortable with. Um, to be able to to carry through with whatever you're promising. Hey, is this the case for not bundling, for, for lack of a better term, of ensuring that, like, are, are we so reliant on tech that you almost have to ensure that your home network is from a different vendor than your cell network? So in, in my world, the only place we have backup is on the business level meaning not, not at the home level. And maybe if it was important enough for me where I knew that I'm exclusively working from home, we'd get a backup there. And I certainly have a firewall that can handle a second and third and fourth line if needed. Uh, I never tapped into it because again, if, if there was a problem, anyone can use, I could, I could even have my kids use this in order to watch TV um, and we've never gotten to it uh, I, so I think that it really depends but the magic of having the conversation is having a client decline and then you being able not that I love the I told you so moment but hey that was an option on your bid you declined it so now it's really on you mm -hmm. you the client said no and that's okay we, we respect everybody's opinions about what they want, what they don't. They know what's best for them. A lot of clients don't want to add a second recurring bill. 
But uh, you know, if you want that safety net, I always, when I go over landing, I take a satellite phone with it, with me, and, and it's charged and it's ready to go because I need some media to connect, mm -hmm. right? So that's my backup if all else fails. If I went out there in the middle of nowhere and I got stuck and I don't have my sat phone, that's on me. That was my decision. So I think we need to give them the option simply for the sake of putting it out there that it's available. It's not necessarily, I don't think it doesn't drive a ton of revenue. I can tell it from Access Networks. There are a bunch of networks that go out with redundant elements, uh, including redundant firewalls to connect into redundant internet links. But the amount of, of that versus the normal network that doesn't have redundancy is very, very small. Some people want it, but the fact that you can offer it and you do have that conversation, I think that's where the magic's at. It's not how many times you sold it. It's the fact that you offered it and maybe the other guy down the street never did, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I love it. All right, let's wrap it there. Thank you both so much for joining us. Hey, guy, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Snap One or Platform 5, where can they do that? guy.finer at accessnetworks.com. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. Heather, if people want to connect with you, uh, read your musings online or learn more about Southtown AV, where can they do that? You can Google me. No. Um, at <laughs> Twitter, it's tech underscore chi, C-H-I. It's an imbalance between life and technology. Um, LinkedIn, wherever. Southtownav.com is the website if you want to talk about the business side. I love it. Thanks again uh, for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Resi Week.